Welcome to Animal Cafe, where you'll hear weekly interviews with experts and enthusiasts working to better the lives of animals, and a monthly segment reviewing fun, fabulous, and useful products for your pets. Check our website, animalcafe.co, for more. Hi there. Today, we are fortunate enough to have the legendary Steve Dale with us. Steve is a dog and cat behavior consultant. He's also a contributing editor for USA Weekend. He's a syndicated newspaper columnist and a national radio host. And most recently, he is the author of the brand new ebooks Good Dog and Good Cat. And I think most importantly, he's also a very dear friend. I'm very excited to have Steve with us today. So hello, Steve. That was the best part of the introduction. <laughs> very dear friend. That's dear nice. Dear friend, thank you are. Well, save the best for last. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming and spending some time with me today. And, you know, you have, you are, you have so much information on such a broad range of topics that I, I didn't really, I couldn't decide what we should talk about. So I thought that I would just let you talk about whatever you wanted to. Okay, well, I, I don't know what that will be either, but I'll just start talking. We'll see where we go. The names of these books you refer to uh, are Good Dog and Anthony said exactly that. Oh, sorry. My good Dog. Good Dog. Better and Good Cat. Good uh, Cat. And I don't even have to go any further. I think you know why I called those books that. <laughs> You've been in the dog training world, don't tell me how many years, but a couple of years. Uh, and are are you at all concerned about the way, for a time, and maybe we're in that time now, you'll have to answer me, that training has sort, has sort of moved? Am I concerned about the way that training is moving? Yeah. Well, uh, that, I, you know what, I can answer that question either way, um, it, really, because some things in training are much, much better, I, I find, as far as people's understanding of what animals needs are and and that they need training I feel like that is better on the other hand it might be a case of a little information is actually dangerous because um, it doesn't seem to me that animals are getting trained as much as they used to be I, I don't know if that's where, where you're going with this but that's kind of what I'm seeing what do you see hmm. well I also see uh, a percent of trainers going back to methods that were very popular in the 1950s and 60s, and when a guy by the name of Ian Dunbar first came along and said, we don't need to use these sorts of approaches. We can motivate dogs, we can lure dogs, we can do other things, but we don't necessarily need a uh, chain link uh, chain around the dog, a correction collar. Uh, we, we don't necessarily need to do these things. We could also motivate our dogs. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I see where you're going. And, I, and there is a tie-in um, with what I was saying. But please, finish what you're saying, and I'll, and I'll explain my, my answer. But that's why I was thrilled when Sarah, I think it was her, at Tribune Media Services, that's who syndicates my newspaper columns, but she came up with the idea, the Tribune Company, of calling by reading through my material. She said, so much of what you write about and say is positive, why don't we call this book Good Dog? And I thought, you know, that's perfect because if people think about it, my hope is that it sends a whole lot of messages. I mean, how many times have you been called in and you really, if you didn't know otherwise, might think the dog's name is No? No, absolutely. Because that's all you're hearing is No, 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 no. 
And and obviously, if the person is repeating it day after day, 20 times a day, the dog is not getting the message. So my hope is that this, the, even just the name of the book, I hope you read what's in it, but just the name of the book will will send a message. Absolutely. I think people do tend to focus on the negative, and there's no way you can even say the, the title of your book without smiling. I find myself, you know, <laughs> you say, good dog, and it comes out, you know, you smile, you're happy. Your happy dog voice comes out, right? So, Do you think there's a difference if you use dog voice or not? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, as far as the animal learning, no. Well, you know, they do, I think there is a difference in how... Um, in your own, in, in one's own demeanor, depending on what voice you're using. Well, I also think that um, there's some truth to it's not what you say, but it's how you say oh, it. But what's yeah. really fun for me is when I see, I, I can think of someone now who has run, he's in my head. This man has run major businesses, doesn't think of anything about firing people on the spot, you know, and is a tough business guy. But yet, when his little dog was about this big, I'm, you know, three inches big, three comes inches. around. This guy, this tough, big business guy says, oh, hello, little puppy, hello. I love to see that transformation in people. No, it's wonderful. It does allow people to, you know, to loosen up a little bit. And I do think, obviously, animals respond to tone, um, for sure. And and I, I just think, you know, I had a recent conversation with um, Dr. Roger Abrantes about even terminology. Maybe you'll find this interesting. Um, the words that you choose to use to describe your training, as well as your tone, affect um, affect your approach. Mm. You know, so do you command your dog to do something, or do you request them to do something, or do you just simply signal them or ask? You know, there's there's so many different words you use, and it really says a lot, I think, about your your approach, one's approach. Yeah, in fact, in in doing this book and uh, another book that I'm working on, actually. We had, for this other book, I'm sort of overseeing a whole lot of authors. And we had a long discussion about whether to use cue or command. Uh, and I, I do think it sends a, a, a signal to the readers. But, but perhaps this, uh, the, the words that we use really does have something to say about the approach that we use as well. So what, what do you do? Is it a cue? Is it a command? Is it a question you're asking your dog? How, do, how you know, do you describe it? I've gone through phases, actually. I mean, it started definitely kind of as, you know, no, it started as a, as a request. Definitely when I first started before I became a professional trainer, my dog was my friend, and I requested things of him. And I, there were times when I, um, I suppose, commanded, you know, for safety's sake. We had rules, you know, like mm -hmm. don't, don't go in. I lived in Chicago at the time. Don't go into the street. Never cross a curb on your own. You know, never jump out of the car. So we had rules, and they were kind of commands, I suppose. But then I learned, um, when I learned to train traditionally, everything, there was no requesting. I remember walking into the, um, the school where I, where I learned, and, and I said, sit, please, to my dog in a friendly way. And the woman at the counter, as I was registering, said, oh, we don't say please here. And I thought, geez, well, it's not like he understands anyway. It was just kind of a, you know, politeness. You know, he's my friend. He's not my underling, you know. Not my slave. So that was that was how I started. Um, as as I learned more about you know training and behavior and general psychology, I went back to Q. And Roger actually uses the word signal, which I, I like slightly better. Actually. Why? Um, 
I mean, it, it, I know it's all semantics. That's all any of this is really. But signal, it seems like a slightly warmer tone to me. You're, you're signaling. Your, your signal is a. It, it's a prompt. It's a request, I guess, for what you would like the dog to do, and we can signal each other, because you know I could signal to you to come and sit down next to me. I wouldn't really cue you to come sit down next to me. It still sounds a little bit more like an order. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. I, I'm playing around with it. I'm babbling a bit here. What do you think? Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I think terminology really does matter because it describes sort of the way we think about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like to say cue for like a dog trick or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I don't use command anymore. And I think I did. You know, I mean, there was a period of time where we were kind of all trained. Uh, and that was sort of the terminology to use. And I don't think that we, you know, I think it's really cool that you used request. And you were ahead of your time because <laughs> I, I don't think most people did then. But you, you bring up something else. Our dogs are supposed to be our friends. And do you think that some of the trainers have lost that a little bit in, in the way in which they train their clients? Because if the relationship is supposed to be one where we are supposed to be best friends, uh, well, we do need to do things for the dog's safety, and we do need to live with our dogs, so they need to be taught things, but the way in which we teach them and the way in which we communicate with our friend, I think is exceedingly important. Absolutely, and there has definitely been a backlash there of, of people, certain trainers and certain popular training methods at the moment um, that end up treating your dog like some kind of permanent adversary in your home who's trying to constantly one-up you or is just this close. I'm holding my fingers quite close together. Uh, this close to taking over every, at every turn. And I'm thinking you know, to myself, well, if they are trying to take over, they're doing a really crappy job at it. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know they haven't yet. And no. Now, that, that might be true of our cats that we live with. <laughs> they're no, they're no, finally course, taking over. No, of course they don't want to take over. And, you know, it, it, you actually, my experience is when you actually have a conversation with someone, if you kind of work it through in a, a step-by-step fashion, most people will say, well, Maybe then dominance isn't the right word, but I'll tell you there are a whole lot of people out there that still believe that, because that's, I think, what we're talking about in part, uh, that we have to express some sort of dominance over our dogs, because if they don't, they will want to dominate us for lack of leadership. And, you know, I, I, it's, such a, it's such a dicey word, and, and, and you, when, you, when you use the word dominance, um, but it's true. Some people do think, I mean... I, I guess it's a slippery slope because we certainly do need to be the leaders in our relationship with our dog. You know, I would say 90% of the time, I maybe not in something like, you know, I, I do um, scent games and scent detection work with my dogs and they certainly lead there because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know where the smells are. Um, and sometimes in day-to-day life, I don't know that anybody needs to lead. I mean, you're just... You're just hanging out with your dog, you know. No, but they and, do live in our world. They live in our human world, so we need yes, to give them do. boundaries, and we have to teach them human yep. what humans like um, so that they don't get themselves into trouble or hurt. And so we are leaders that way, and we do provide the food. And so I think people take that a step further on that slippery slope and think, 
well, then I must command them. Or, you know, it all goes back to that whole um, kind of alpha wolf kind of pack mentality thing, which, you know, has been really disproven time and time again. And even if it were true, you know, I like to say that, you know, dogs aren't wolves and we're not wolves or dogs. So why would we, why would we even go there? Yeah, I, of course, very much agree with you about this, but I'll tell you, um, there are people that, I mean, I have these discussions all the time. Uh, sometimes on my Facebook fan page with, with dog trainers who don't necessarily agree with what you and I are saying. Um, so I, I took for these books that I'm talking about, one is called Good Dog and the other Good Cat. They're e-books, so they're available wherever electronic books are sold. And they're both about training and behavior, I take it. I mean, Yeah, even they're, questions, they're questions people have asked me over the years okay. uh, for my uh, Q&A newspaper column. I do two columns a week, and one is a Q&A column. And people ask me all the usual questions that you'd probably expect. So let me ask you, what is the question by far that, in fact, let me back up a step. There's not a lot of science about a lot of things. I mean, we need more science when it comes to behavior. And we don't know for sure what the biggest complaint is uh, among pet owners having to do with our pets. Uh, but I know... And, and there have been some studies. So, I've, in fact, I was at a uh, talk a couple of years ago where I was quoted. I've been doing the column for 17 years. I know what people are asking about. <laughs> and what do you think the question is that people most often ask me about the behavior question that most people are concerned about, bothers people, or in some cases the animals are relinquished for ultimately? And we're talking either species? Yes, because um, from my from my days in the animal shelter, my my instinct tells me that it has to do with with cats and and litter box training. You're absolutely right. Inappropriate elimination. And uh, if we took a hundred percent, if we started there, I'm thinking that about sixty five percent of all the questions that I get about all the possible behavior problems of dogs and cats, that is. And that includes doing number one and number two outside the box. Mm -hmm. And it includes uh, avoiding uh, as well as spraying, which are two different things. But nevertheless, uh, it is above and beyond everything else. Uh, number one on the list. Number two, way down at maybe 20%, of 15% of the questions would be aggression. Mm -hmm. uh, dogs mm -hmm. to people and then maybe dogs to other dogs. And then I, I've never really tabulated it. And really, I should have. Uh, because uh, that data would have been interesting to know because I do get so many letters from so many people and it would be some indication. Right now we have no indication, really. But yes, cats missing the box. So what I did is I took the most common questions that I get, the kinds of questions you'd expect me, cats scratching in all the wrong places. Uh, <laughs> that or, sounds like or, a song. Pardon me? That sounds like a song. Cats scratching in all the wrong places. I don't. Well, you know... Uh, <laughs> I, I write about inappropriate behavior or behavior problems, but it's really uh, not the behavior. I think behavior problem in some ways is the wrong way to describe it because the animals are doing what the animals do. Absolutely. They're not, they're not doing it to cause a problem for us. <laughs> you know, you might think that. That's but, a whole other issue. That's a whole other No, they're not. Um, <laughs> But I also answer some questions that are questions that you wouldn't get every day, like this one. And we'll see how you answer it. Uh, 
can you put a sign outside your house to warn squirrels? Danger. Squirrel chasing dog. Your chances... Oh, no, hold on. I'm reading... Sorry, I'm reading the answer rather than the question. This is the answer. I don't want to offend the squirrels, and I'm worried... This is the question. I don't want to offend the squirrels, and I'm worried that one day my dog might catch a squirrel. How do I stop the dog from chasing squirrels in the backyard? And I took the punchline away. I answered, you could put a sign outside that warns squirrels, danger, squirrel chasing dog present. But of course, your chances of really teaching the dog. Now, unless you know something I don't know, I'm thinking there really is no way to train a dog that chases squirrels not to chase the squirrels if you're not there to teach the dog. Absolutely. I mean, in their free time, they're going to do what they enjoy. Can you, you, I, you can chase the dog to stop chasing squirrels in your present when you cue or request them to do so. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, but if you're not there, and I similarly have gotten questions over the years, how do I teach my cat to stop bringing home birds? <laughs> and my answer is keep your cat indoors. Oh, yeah. Because there's not, well, actually, you can buy, there's a, uh, it's called a cat bib. And I don't know if you know about this device no. or not, but you could put it on a cat, and it looks like a bib that they're wearing, and it kind of throws off their balance just enough, so they say, and I think it does work to a degree, where they do what they do, they pounce to get the bird, but they're thrown off just enough where their timing is off, and they can't catch the bird. And that has some effect putting the little bells on the cat, mm -hmm. so the bird hears them coming, that can help. But the bottom line, if you really want to stop it from happening, keep your cat indoors. But I get a lot of, one of my favorite recent questions is, I've got a cat who paws at the TV, doesn't scratch at it. This cat's been declawed, which incidentally I'm not a fan of. But the cat's been declawed, doesn't scratch it, but goes up to the TV and paws at the TV. Only when pop music is heard, particularly Justin Bieber. <laughs> And my answer was, you've just created a new, there's a new illness now in cats, apparently, uh, called Cat Scratch Beaver. <laughs> no. Which oh. you've identified. And of course, the answer to I don't know the answer to that. I wonder if Justin Bieber sings at a certain level that he's, attracts this cat to the TV. Well, he is kind of squeaky, isn't he? He's got a high he is kind of squeaky. And maybe <laughs> that's it. Of course, my ultimate answer is... Turn on the football game. <laughs> Change the channel. Change the but, channel. Yeah, Turn off the, the TV and read a book. Is, read your book. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, one is called Good Cat and the other is called Good Dog. I wonder how you feel about this because it is the season of the year and more and more people are buying holiday gifts for their pets. Is that a bad thing, a good thing, or maybe it depends on what the gift is? Well, I, I think I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, I, I guess it would depend on the gift to a certain degree, but it means that they're thinking of their animals. And I would imagine that most gifts for a pet would be in the toy department, perhaps not, but mostly. And that, um, to me, says that people realize their animals need more mental stimulation, and they're that that's great. I, I think that's great. And you know, I think so many people see their animals as. Um, as family members now, and uh, I don't know, is that, you know, the, maybe the real question is, is that a good thing? Oh, I think it's a great thing that they're members of the family, but what I don't think is a great thing, and I agree with you about buying gifts, I mean, as long as you're not taking money off 
a paycheck that you can't afford to spend, you know, on your own food, that kind of thing, uh, and not living paycheck to paycheck, and here you're buying a pet some extravagant gift. But, and that's because really many dogs, you can go to a pet store and buy a $20 gift, but does your dog care if you spend $20 or go to the tennis courts after it gets dark out and <laughs> steal a ball that someone left behind? You know, I mean, your, your dog probably doesn't care necessarily that you spent that money. So if you don't have the money to spend, and then it should be spent on saving up for veterinary care when you really need it. Uh, but overall, I think that's a good thing. Buying gifts for a pet, sure, that's fine. Uh, their, their family members is usually important, I think. Uh, I think that's a great thing. What concerns me, however, uh, and I think causes some behavior problems that we have now in our pets, is that we're treating them by, like family members is fine, but not treating them like little kids. I don't think that's fine. And I think that many of us, are treating our pets as if they are children, loving them like if they're children, eh, that maybe is okay. But treating them, even though they have four legs and maybe a tail, like they're children, I'm not sure that's a good thing. In fact, I don't believe it is. What do you think? No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think a lot of harm is done if you try to, you know, fit an animal into the into the idea of what a child what a child should be in your life. Um, I think it it doesn't allow them to to show their their beautiful doggy and kittiness, right? You know, if you want them to be little little honorary humans, then you might not like the fact that you know Fifi rolls around in the in the dirt outside, things like that. And um, that's not cool. That's not cool. So I just walked away from the microphone for a second. I can see you. I know that. Yeah, we're doing this interview via Skype, so you saw me get up, and I'm showing you a book. I'm honored to have contributed to this huge book. It's 1,400 pages. It is uh, a huge book, I have to tell everyone. It's heavy. I can't even and see you when you're holding up that book. I know, it's huge. It's called The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management. Susan Little, uh, a veterinarian, amazing veterinarian, edited this book. I'm showing it to you for a reason. You see the tops of the, I just saw this the other day. I get this book as a gift. I contributed to it, and it was sent to all those who contributed, and I was honored to contribute. I mean, the veterinarians in this book have a lot of letters after their names, and I was honored to be a part of this. So you see the top of this little the, the binding of the book? Oh, yes, I do. It's chewed away at. It is. So our little dog, Hazel, chewed away at the top of this book. Hmm. So when I saw this, I was not happy. I picked up the book. Now, here's the thing. If I believed that Hazel wasn't a dog and could reason with Hazel like even a two-year-old can reason, then I would say and lecture her about how bad it is <laughs> to destroy books. However, what good would that do? Maybe a day after the fact, I don't know when Hazel did this. I mean, it couldn't have been too long ago because we've only had the book in the house for about 48 hours, but it shortly after I got it. So what good would that do? And, and part of what we're talking about here and what I'm trying to describe is that if we really think of our pets as children, then we perhaps begin to reason with them like children, but they can't re – and I'm not taking away from – or I don't mean to take away from the intelligence of my little dog, but she is not a child and maybe in some ways is smarter for all I know than your two-year-old, but you reason differently. And, and for me to then tell her, 
you did bad 24 or 48 hours ago, show her the book. Perhaps all she would do is associate my angry voice with the book and wonder why that would be the case. It wouldn't at all. It wouldn't at all. There's no way I could communicate with her. Look, these are chewed up, these little ends of the book, and you did that, and that's bad. And with a child, even a two-year-old, I'd probably be able to do that way. So if we think we can reason with our dogs or cats like they were children, I think our pets lose and our relationship between them potentially can as well. It does allow you then to lay blame and then go into the whole thing about them being spiteful or knowing better. And when you start doing those things and, and really you know, putting too much responsibility on, on a, a completely different creature than a human being, I think that's when punishment an unfair punishment comes into the picture, and that's when people get angry. So I think it can definitely do a disservice to them, to animals, to you know, to assume that they have the same reasons and reasoning skills as as a, as we do as humans. It's a very yeah. good point. Very good point. Yeah. Well, we're on the same page there. And, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say. I hope people, if if you have a friend you don't want to spend a lot of money on. The, the uh, Good Cat book and the Good Dog book are only $2.99. We do have a version, though, with embedded video that can be read by Apple products, so the uh, iPod. Uh, is that right? iPad, or, iPod. I think both maybe at this point, but iPad for sure. That's what I meant to say, actually. Thank you. So the iPad, uh, you can see the video. So what we do is, because you've done this sort of thing in newspaper columns, you answer the question, that's great. But better maybe to show it. So we did some videos that will be available. So that version will be uh, $4.99 with the embedded video. Are these books available right now? Can I go purchase this right now? Because I, I, you know, I have an iPad now, and I want to check out this format. Uh, yes, it will be available right now as we speak. Where? So you have to go run away and purchase a book. Where, where, where? Where can we find your books? Oh, wherever uh, e-books are sold. So for the uh, Apple books, where the Apple books are sold... Okay. Uh, at uh, through the iTunes store. Yep. Uh, also, Amazon.com for the Kindle. Okay. Uh, the Barnes and Noble site for the Nook or the device that is used by those who use. I mean, you know where you get your ebooks. Okay, so, so they're everywhere. It's not like you. Yeah. I don't know how that works yet. So you you don't have an exclusive deal with like Kindle or. They're all stuck with me. Okay. Wow. Well, that's great. I mean. Yeah. I think that's a, a that would be a, a the perfect gift for somebody too because it's it's inexpensive but it's super useful you can take it on the go and um, I'm pretty excited about the whole ebook format so I'm so happy that you've done this. Well, I'm excited about the format too. It'll be interesting to see what happens, sort of ten years from now, mm -hmm. uh, and to see if dogs even have those books to chew on. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope so. Chewing out, yeah, you know, I do too for for other various reasons, but. <laughs> But but it's it's nice to have it's nice to have it in, in digital format and and as you said the video alone for like the iPad that's pretty cool you know for for visual learners to get to see right you know right there what you're doing I think that's awesome are you are you the star of the videos I am the star <laughs> I am the star of the videos yes okay oh I can't wait to watch this not as good as if Kelly Dunbar were to star it wouldn't look as good anyways if Kelly Dunbar were to star in the videos but. I am the star of the videos. Oh, great. Well, um, I think we're running out of time here, but I would I'd like to thank you again for coming to chat with me. And 
Where can I mean? There's, you you have so many different outlets. Where are some of the outlets where people can find you if they want to? We we now know where they can get these books, but where can they find you? Well, my blog is at stevedalepetworld.com. Okay. Forward slash Steve Dale. So it's uh, what did I just say? Steve it's Chicago. Dale. Yeah, I, I don't. No. Can I say that again? Okay. Chicago now. Pretend okay. I never said that. <laughs> I don't even know what I just gave. <laughs> ChicagoNow.com forward slash Steve Dale. I'll okay. say it again the right way. ChicagoNow.com forward slash Steve Dale. That's my Chicago Now blog. And I do post blogs pretty frequently. So it's it's changes all the time. And it's it can be news in the pet world. Like, uh, I don't know that you know, but there was a pet food recall about a day or so yes, ago. Yes, So, yep. Okay. So I had that up there. Uh, if there's something in the news... Uh, Anywhere really uh, in the world having to do with companion animals, I probably will post it up on my site. I post my newspaper columns up on the site as well. We post videos up on the site. There's lots there, chicagonow.com forward slash Steve Dale. And if people have a behavior question about cats or dogs um, that they want you to respond to so they can be in your next ebook. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Steve at petworldradio.net would be the email address to get me. Or a website uh, to see some videos is PetWorldRadio.net. PetWorldRadio.net. All right, excellent. Well, thank you very much. Um, I will be in Chicago in the summer again, so I'm hoping that we can get together in person. I would. I would. I always enjoy having the first family of dog training in the studio. Yes, we'll be back. So my uh, studio is your studio, and I say that mostly having nothing to do with me or you. But I know that our dog Ethel is in love with your husband. Yes, she yes. sure is. She's a, a merciless flirt, that one. Yes, she is, as is your husband, so yeah. it's a good match. <laughs> it's we ought to leave it there, I believe. Okay. Thank you very much, Steve. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. Bye-bye.